0: This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. I'm Terry Stuck, host of Beauty Now, personallifemedia.com. We bring you a weekly show on all things beauty. We have world renowned experts like Dr. Pericone on skin, Dr. Giacono on lips many more experts from all things lasers, lifts, breast dogs, vaginal rejuvenation, tummy tucks, and more. Today, we have our favorite expert back with us. He's a world-renowned surgeon, not just to celebrities, but to the patients who want the very best. Welcome back, Dr. Brett Mulkin.
1: One of the many, many things that we can do as rhinoplasty surgeons is narrow the nose or reduce a hump. Now, when you take a hump off the nose, then usually the nose will get wider. So what doctors do is something called an osteotomy. They take the bones on the side of the nose, and then you push them toward the center to make the bones narrower. But when you narrow the bones, you're narrowing the breathing. That's why it's very, very important to look at the breathing of the nose and look at the septum and the turbinates in the deep part of the septum to make sure the person breathes well. When you look at the Thriller album cover, that was Michael Jackson after he had had probably one rhinoplasty. He still looks like a black gentleman, but for some reason, he continued to have surgery and someone continued to do those surgeries for him. That kind of focuses on two of the big problems in rhinoplasty surgery. One is the patient wanting too much from their nose. And the second thing is the doctor willing to go along with that. So a really reputable doctor, you know, a high-end doctor will be able to say, you know, look, here's what we can realistically achieve, and here's where we shouldn't go. Now, anesthetics usually are done with a local anesthetic put into the nose and then some sort of sedation. Now, the sedation can be for someone to be sleepy or the sedation can be for someone to be out completely. The reason that we want some sort of sedation is we don't want the procedure to be unpleasant. Like, if I talk to patients who had their nose done 30 years ago in the old days when you didn't give an anesthetic any more than just injecting in the nose. They'll say, oh, it was a horrible experience. 30 years ago, I had my nose done. They broke the bones. I remember the sound of it. It was just terrible. And I don't want my patient saying, oh, Dr. Mulliken, I had this terrible experience in his office. I want them to say, you know, I woke up, my nose was done. Welcome back, Dr. Brett Mulkin. Well, it's great to be here.
0: Thank you so much for coming back today. And you know, the one thing we were missing is we don't have a show on rhinoplasty. And there are so many unknowns about rhinoplasty and I'm hoping we can fit in everything today and you're going to tell us what to do if we really don't like our noses, what's all of our options. Perfect. So, what would be the first thing I know? The first thing would be a consultation. And the second thing I would think is What I'm going to say is not all plastic surgeons do good noses, even if they're board certified up the wazoo. And that's what I've learned from looking at different people from different
1: doctors. So if you could go through all that, we'd appreciate it. Well, you bet. Well, you're absolutely right that, you know, every doctor has his own style. So the first thing you do, of course, is check the credentials and make sure the doctor is board certified. And then once you're in your consultation and you've done all your background homework, check the hospital affiliations, make sure the doctor has credentials in a hospital that he can do the, the surgery, not that he's just working out of his own office. That can be an that the doctor's not very well trained. Yeah. So so once you're in the doctor's office, that's when you want to get down to business and find out what the doctor's plans are for your nose. So the first thing is you should kind of define ahead of time what it is about your nose that bothers you. From the breathing, let's start with the breathing. How is the breathing? Is it, is it worse when you exercise? Is it better when you use breathe-right strips or when you're on decongestants? This is something that your doctor should be asking you also. You want him to be concerned with not just the appearance of your nose, but also the internal functioning of your nose. Very, very important for a nose to be able to smell.
0: That is such a good point because a lot of people talk about deviated septums. What is that?
1: Now, deviated septum is kind of a basket term. Probably 60% of the people in this world have a deviated septum, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a problem for the patient. It's only a problem for the patient if it matches the symptoms of the breathing obstruction. In other words, I can never breathe out of my left nostril. And then the doctor looks inside and, wow, sure enough, the septum is severely deviated to the left side. That may be indica- an indication that the septum is causing the breathing problem. So that should be addressed. But you just when you're talking to your doctor, is he really concerned about your breathing as well as your appearance? That's one really good sign that you're in the right office if he's kind of asking those questions as well.
0: And not, now, not all doctors are trained to do deviated septums, is that correct?
1: That is absolutely correct. Now, Many people who are board-certified cosmetic surgeons may not actually be plastic surgeons or ear, nose, and throat surgeons. So, you know, I think you'd want to get someone who is, is either trained in plastic surgery or ear, nose, and throat, you know, when you're having your nose operated on. Because the internal structure of the nose is just as important, and we'll get to that in a second, as the outside appearance. In fact, it may be the same. So when you do things like correct a deviated septum or make the breathing better inside the nose, it can actually make the nose look better.
0: So, so when you're actually doing the internal stuff, but what about breaking the bone and all that kind of stuff? So how does that fit in with a deviated septum?
1: Well, one of the many, many things that we can do as rhinoplasty surgeons is narrow the nose or reduce a hump. Now when you take a hump off the nose, then usually the nose will get wider because the nose is kind of like a pyramid. And as you work your way down the pyramid by removing the hump, the nose starts to get a little bit wider. So what doctors do is something called an osteotomy. And they take the bones on the side of the nose and they do they break them essentially. It's much more precise than that, but basically you're breaking the bones and then you push them toward the center to make the bones narrower. That's called an osteotomy. And that often needs to be done if the nose is very wide. But and here's a dilemma when you narrow the bones, you're narrowing the breathing. So what are you doing at the same time to increase the airflow into the nose? That's why it's very, very important to look at the breathing of the nose and look at the septum and the turbinates and the deep part of the septum. Those are all important parts, you know, to make sure the person breathes well. You know, in our in our parents' day, they would do rhinoplasties, and the doctors would tell the patients ahead of time, look, your nose is going to look better. It'll be cute. It'll be like a ski slope, but you won't be able to breathe. And that everyone just took as, well, that's the way it is, I guess. When they, when they do a rhinoplasty, I just can't breathe afterwards. But now people are much more, you know, concerned about preserving normal breathing after rhinoplasty surgery.
0: That's such a good point because I never heard, when I heard my girlfriends talk about it, that they were concerned about their breathing, only their looks.
1: Exactly, exactly. But let's say you have a beautiful-looking nose that just doesn't work and you have a very nasally voice. That's in your snore and you snore, know, and all those things are part and parcel of a nose that doesn't work well.
0: And that would be your deviated septum.
1: That could be the deviated septum, but there are other things that can cause breathing problems. And, and if you ever get a chance, when you're doing your consultation, you may even want to ask the doctor, hey, can, do you mind if I have a look inside? You can just take a mirror, and when we do our consultations with our patients, we have a mirror there so they can actually look inside and see the same thing that I'm seeing and see where the septum is, and then it's clear as day. It's kind of nice to know the anatomy. If you're having surgery, you want to be as well-informed as possible.
0: Now, tell us about what does insurance cover if you have a deviated septum, and what does it cover if it's cosmetic?
1: Well, insurance is getting less and less reliable for paying for, you know, any breathing surgery because the payments that the insurance companies make are so low now that most, you know, reputable doctors or most, you know, high-end doctors won't even take your insurance anymore for the procedure. Because in many cases, for an outpatient surgery center, for example, the insurance company will maybe pay, you know, 20 cents on the dollar of what it actually costs the doctor to do the surgery.
0: Because they're considering this cosmetic more than... Well, it's not even that. It's
1: just their level of payment is so low, you know, that the doctor just can't make a living by taking the fee from the insurance company. It's sad yeah, that it's... And
0: plus I, wouldn't you say, and, and I'll have to say this, is that, this is my opinion, but a nose, it's on your face. I mean, you really, really need a good doctor and you really should save up the extra money then for a really qualified doctor who does a nose job because I have seen some of my own friends just really almost ruin their life over a bad nose job.
1: Well, that's absolutely true. <clears throat> and it The way that rhinoplasties have been done, nasal surgery has been done, you know, basically since the very, very early 1900s. So even in the late 1800s, rhinoplasty was done this way. It's called the Joseph rhinoplasty. And they do an osteotomy and break the bones and push the bones to the center. And then they take a little bit off the tip of the nose and they take a little bit off the top of the tip of the nose. And it's kind of done the same way like a cookie cutter formula in every single patient. But more modern Um, teaching is that every nose is different. And we want to take the nose that the person has and maximize how good it looks. We don't want to take a nose from a book and put it on a patient. We want to take the nose they have and make it the most beautiful for their face.
0: Right. And what about if you have a really long nose, can you shorten noses?
1: You can shorten noses. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest reasons for having redo nasal surgery so revision nasal surgery after the first nasal surgery is done and patients say gosh I don't like this result my nose looks like Miss Piggy that is a result of too much shortening of the nose so when when the nose you you really want to get a good artistic feel from your doctor and one great way to do this is when you're looking at the before and after pictures now all doctors pretty much will have before and after pictures to show you of their work Without saying a word, you can see if you're in the right office, because if you see pictures that look nice afterwards and not overdone or pinched or Miss Piggy looking, then you may be in the right place.
0: That's exactly true. I mean, I did take care of one friend from this doctor a long time ago, and and we took the bandages off, and she did look like Miss Piggy, and I mean, I actually gasped, and then that's how I knew 10 years ago that you do not go to a doctor that that doesn't know what they're doing about noses.
1: Right. And it's it's very tough, as you know, to find a doctor. So, you know, a lot of research should go into this. This isn't just, you know, if you buy a car you're not happy with your car. Well, when, in two or three years when your lease is done, you get to return that car. The same is not true for your nose. If you get a bad nasal surgery, you know, chances are you will never quite go back to where you could have been if you had had someone really reputable do your nose.
0: It's really hard to redo it, isn't it? The revisions, talk about revisions.
1: Revision rhinoplasty is very difficult. And what we're doing is we're trying to restore missing parts, So when excessive cartilage was removed from the nose, and the nose basically starts to collapse in portions, we're restoring those portions. So that usually takes cartilage from the patient's own nose, or from their ear, or sometimes even from the rib.
0: So a lot of people talk about Michael Jackson. Why is his nose like that? And why can't anybody fix it? What happened?
1: You know, I I think when you look at the Thriller album cover, and you'll see that was... Michael Jackson, after he had had probably one rhinoplasty, and it's a decent result. He still looks like a black gentleman. Right. He doesn't look like he's trying to change his race.
0: That's what he looked really good.
1: Exactly. But for some reason, he continued to have surgery, and someone continued to do those surgeries for him. So the fault kind of lies in two camps. One, Michael, your nose looked great. Why do you keep doing it? And the second one is, who operated on all these you know, redo revision rhinoplasties where the nose kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And that shows you, that kind of focuses on two of the big problems in rhinoplasty surgery. One is the patient wanting too much from their nose. And the second thing is the doctor willing to go along with that. So a, a really reputable doctor, you know, a high-end doctor will be able to say, you know, look, here's what we can realistically achieve. And here's where we shouldn't go. And you should be really comfortable that your doctor is giving you a realistic you know impression of what you can expect from your surgery, not promising you something or promising you you're going to look like you know whoever
0: That's so important. I mean to look natural and and when it does get to the point of body dysmorphic, is that what that would be?
1: Absolutely. when you want more and more? Absolutely body dysmorphia and, and it's really not the patient's fault that they have body dysmorphia. When they go in, if if you go into a reputable plastic surgeon and you say, you know, I've had a rhinoplasty and what I really want is too much rhinoplasty. They're not saying too much rhinoplasty, but they, they indicate that, you know, I really want it more s- smaller here and then smaller here and smaller here and smaller here. And it, that's just not the nose that the patient has. It's just not going to be able to be possible to get to that smaller nose when you start off with a really, really large nose. So it's better to be realistic with the patient and tell them, look, here's what we can do. You know, here are pic- pictures of patients who are a lot like you, and here are the results we've gotten. So this is what's realistic to achieve. And if you start taking more cartilage away, here are the signs of a, an overdone nose. You have pointed to one already, and that is the Miss Piggy look. So when you start to make the nose shorter and shorter, then it kind of tilts up on itself and you can literally see into the nostrils. That's the Miss Piggy look. That's too much taken away from the tip of the nose. And that really, really pinched look that you see sometimes in patients, that results from too much cartilage being taken away from the tip and you literally have collapse of the nostrils. So sometimes when people breathe in, when their nose has been aggressively done, their nostrils will literally collapse when they breathe in. So it makes, them, it makes it very difficult to work out. Um, <clears throat> or on the top of the nose, when the hump is taken down, sometimes doctors are very aggressive. And when you take a hump away aggressively, and we saw generations of this go on, you get this really ski-slope-looking sco- nose that's very, very done-looking. So those are the main you know areas where we see a need for revision rhinoplasty just because too much has been done initially.
0: And those are hard to correct, and we're going to talk about that. We need to take a commercial break. We'll be right back with Dr. Brett Molikin talking about noses. Listen to Money, Mission, and Meaning. Passion at work, purpose at play a weekly audio program bringing you success in the business of life on personallifemedia.com. Gary Stuck. We were just talking with Dr. Brett Mulliken. Welcome back, Dr. Mulliken. Good to be back. We were just talking about noses and things that can go wrong, and the reasons we're talking about things that can go wrong is because we want everybody to have a great-looking nose if they're going to go in for surgery. So tell us more about, now I've also been hearing about the injectable nose job. Is that true?
1: Now, the injectable nose job is something that's very fashionable at the moment. I don't think you're going to see this last a long time because when you're putting fillers into the nose, which is basically what the injectable nose job is, those fillers can become lumpy or develop infections in them over time. And they can cause problems with the skin over top of the fillers. Now, fillers are okay for little irregularities after someone's had a rhinoplasty. There, Most doctors will use a little bit of filler here or there, but I don't think it's a good idea to use fillers to change the shape of the nose on a permanent basis.
0: Well, I would think not, and plus you would have to keep going in to get more and more injections, and it would end up costing the same.
1: Right, exactly. And you're, you, you'd be talking to your friends, and they wouldn't recognize you one day, and then the next, oh, yeah, she's back. <laughs>
0: Her nose is back. Her nose is it back.
1: Oh, it changing. melted. I'd be worried
0: about it melting. She's changing. It's a, lot better
1: to, it's a lot better to use the patient's own tissues, like their own cartilage, for the rhinoplasty. That way they're lasting. Those give lasting results, not well, something that has that. to be repeated. Talk
0: about that. So that, how do you do that?
1: Usually, the first place you take cartilage from when you need to make parts of the nose that are missing or to make the nose more aesthetically pleasing is you go to the septum. Now, the septum is kind of like a rudder of a boat. It's right in the center of your nose, and you want to leave enough septum there that your nose is still very strong. But there's plenty of septum, which consists of cartilage, that you can use as building blocks for the rhinoplasty. Now, the septum is one place, and then sometimes the ear cartilage, that flat part of your ear, you can actually take cartilage out of there and really not even be able to tell that it was taken out. It's sort of spare cartilage there.
0: Is that the back of your ear or the front?
1: Usually, you make the incision in the back, but sometimes in the front of the ear. And you take that cartilage out and you could make, you know, ailer rim strips, for example. That's when the nose gets really, really pinched after rhinoplasty. And you know the look. It it just looks as if the side of the nose has caved in and the tip is sitting there all high and dry. So when, as a revision rhinoplasty surgeon, we like to make a strip of cartilage that goes in there to recreate the cartilages that are missing,
0: I still don't understand why they can't do that for Michael Jackson.
1: You know, they probably could do it for Michael Jackson, but there's something going on in Michael Jackson's head that has told him that he needs to have more and more plastic surgery. So I don't think it's just a matter of the doctor being able to do, you know, the procedure that he wants, a responsible person doing the procedure he wants. I think Michael wanted to look a certain way. Otherwise, why would he have continued to get his nose made smaller and smaller and smaller?
0: That's true, so it' probably lies in,
1: like you said, both parts right both parties. You know and it's a, it takes a strong surgeon you know to say no. There, we, we have a saying in plastic surgery <clears throat> that you make your money on the patients that you operate on but you make your reputation on the patients you don't operate on. And I think that's very true. So a strong surgeon you know, who's got a, you know, a good practice will be willing to say, you know, look, I don't think we should do that procedure. It's not in your best interest.
0: And I, I, I hold doctors in the highest esteem when they do that because, I mean, I do have so many people ask me for their opinion about plastic surgery and and. I could see what you see. I mean, a lot of times, it's nothing. There's nothing there. I had a man ask me about his a neck lift the other day, and I'm like, I don't see anything. I'm pretty sure when you go to the doctor, he'll tell you the same thing. And I think that's just really, really important. Let's talk about the anesthesia for, for a nose. I call it nose job. You call it rhinoplasty. Right. <laughs> talk about the anesthesia and
1: recovery. Now, anesthetics um, usually are done with a local anesthetic put into the nose, And then some sort of sedation. Now the sedation can be for someone to be sleepy or the sedation can be for someone to be out completely. The reason that we want some sort of sedation is we don't want the procedure to be unpleasant. Like If I talk to patients who had their nose done 30 years ago In the old days when you didn't give an anesthetic any more than just injecting in the nose, they'll say, oh, it was a horrible experience. 30 years ago, I had my nose done. They broke the bones. I remember the sound of it. It was just terrible. And I don't want my patients, when I'm gone, you know, I don't want my patients saying, oh, Dr. Mulliken, I had this terrible experience in his office. I want them to say, you know, I woke up, my nose was done. That would be great. That would be great. There's another reason for doing that, and that when you do nasal surgery, even if you're very careful and you take your time and you put lots of local anesthetic in, there is bleeding. When the nose bleeds, it can bleed a lot. Now, the last thing you want is for a patient to be sedated. So picture someone really, really, really drunk. The last thing you want is for a sedated patient to have blood in their airway because they can't protect themselves. So that's mm-hmm. a very good reason to do, you know, nasal surgery where you're contemplating an osteotomy under a general anesthetic where you have control of the breathing of the patient. It's a safety issue. That's my opinion. Not so that really it would definitely. be
0: twilight zone, then? I'm sorry? Would that be twilight or would that be
1: completely no, out? No, I mean, usually people have a have a general okay. anesthetic, so they're out completely Now, the general anesthetics that we use nowadays, of course, are much lighter than they were in our parents' days because you don't need a deep general anesthetic. You put local anesthesia everywhere so the patient doesn't experience much pain, but you do want to have control of the airway just in case there's bleeding.
0: And I hear from so many people that they're really, really afraid to go to sleep. Can you talk about the anesthesia for a second?
1: Right. Well, an anesthetic, you know, there there are different ways of doing the anesthetic. We prefer to have all our anesthetics done by a board-certified doctor. And that's, you know, there are very good nurse anesthetists out there, and there are very good institutions that use, you know, a nurse anesthetist. But we just prefer to have, you know, all our anesthetics done by a board-certified doctor anesthesiologist who works in a hospital. So it just gives you a little bit of of, um, extra security. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think you want to have your doctor who's doing your surgery simultaneously doing your anesthesia. I agree. You know, you can save money that way, but, you know, If there's a tragedy, then, you know, that's
0: That's when tragedies happen. I mean, a lot of... Most tragedies have happened.
1: You know, I don't know, um, you know, how other doctors work, but when I'm doing a nose, you know, complicated nose, the last thing I want to do is worry about the anesthetic. So I have someone who's full-time just worrying about the anesthetic, the safety of the anesthesia, and I can concentrate on my surgery. I don't like to be pushing medicines or, you know, You know, it can be done that way, it can be done safely that way in many offices. But it's just my preference to have a you know, board certified doctor anesthesiologist there when a rhinoplasty is done.
0: I totally agree. Safety and it's your nose and it's on your face for life. Exactly. Gotta be very, very careful. What can patients expect with bruising?
1: Bruising is Different in different patients. Some patients who have an osteotomy, which is when you take the bones and you, you move them toward the center to make the nose narrower. When you have an osteotomy, almost all patients have a little bruising, and some patients have a lot of bruising. So that's usually what determines whether there's going to be a lot of bruising or not, and that's the osteotomy. If the nose doesn't need an osteotomy, then usually the bruising is much less because, you know, you just aren't dealing with the bone. You just don't have as much bleeding.
0: So that's the difference why some doctors, you know, cause bruising, because everybody's different.
1: Everyone's different. And I've had patients who came in, they said, Dr. Mullican, I'm a bruiser. Everything I do, I bruise terribly. And we did the rhinoplasty, and they had virtually no bruising. And I've had other patients where they said, you know, I don't really have any particular propensity to bruising, and we did their surgery, and they bruised a lot. So you never really know who's going to bruise a lot. You just want to take the precautions, you know, and and there are certain things we can do with splits afterwards. So you've seen the Band-Aid that people have on their noses. What that is, basically, is something to hold the surgery in place after the surgery's done. And how long is that on for? You know, typically a splint stays on for about a week, you know, up to two weeks, all depending on how complex the surgery was and whether the bone was involved or not. But somewhere in between one and two weeks, most people have some sort of support on the top of the nose.
0: And when can they expect to go back to work?
1: Usually people go back to work, you know, after a long weekend plus a week. So that's about 11 days. That would be a typical amount that people would take off for rhinoplasty surgery. And when they go back, if they're unlucky, they might still have a little bit of bruising around the eyes that they'd have to cover up with makeup. Or if they're very, very concerned, oh, I really don't want anyone to know that I've done anything, then a lot of times they'll take a couple weeks off.
0: Just, well, usually they know with noses. So when you come back with a different nose, that's one thing that's a little bit difficult to hide, but...
1: You know, that's the funny thing. It is amazing to me how many people absolutely go undetected? And it's always been a wonderment to me. I had one of my very good friends, we did a rhinoplasty on him, and he was really a mama's boy. His mom <laughs> loved him. Every holiday he was there, we did his nose, and it looked different. It looked really nice, the before and after picture. His mother didn't notice
0: well, that's a good nose job. See, that's, see now that is a very good nose job because I think that when you, you know, don't look that different, you don't want to look that drastically different.
1: Well, it's our philosophy and our practice to take someone's nose and say, what's the best nose we can make for this person? We don't want to take somebody else's nose and put it on them because the structure is not built for it.
0: Right, because you know, everybody has different nostrils and stuff like that. What about the nostrils? You know what if people have really huge nostrils?
1: if the nostrils are very large, usually they can be narrowed. Of course, there are a lot of other issues that go into it, like the breathing and the overall appearance of the nose and then there are there are differences that occur between races, so you know some Egyptian people would have this will have this very very exotic look where their nostrils kind of flare upward, and those nostrils might be very long and there may not be much you can do about it, but then that 's a beautiful aspect of their you know of their um, heritage
0: it fits so with their face
1: it fits with their face so you don't need to change everything in the nose you want to change what can be changed to make the nose a little bit more aesthetic but keep it where it started from and that sounds that sounds weird like well I'm having a rhinoplasty I want to look different yes you want to look different but you want to stay within what the nose is capable of doing
0: well I think that you know for especially for young women that have you know unattractive noses getting their noses done changes their lives.
1: It is absolutely life-changing. It and absolutely one of
0: the most, I think, one of the most, um, one of the procedures that really actually makes people the happiest, I think. You know, right when right done right. well. When done
1: well. Yes, when done well. And in, in, in the, the majority of rhinoplasties are done well. The doctors are conservative. You know, that I, for, for me, that's a very important thing. Once you go too far and you take a lot of the nose away, you can't always restore that part of the nose that's been taken away by aggressive surgery.
0: That's so, one of my favorite things is actually even with eyes or or anything else that, you know, once they take too much skin away or nose cartilage, whatever it may be, you can't get it back. I mean, it, maybe with the nose, you can put some cartilage back, but with your eyes, you can't and... So that's really difficult. It's something good for people to think about that you can always go back in and take a little more skin out, but you can't put it back in.
1: That's absolutely right. And that's what we mean by conservative. Many patients think, oh, I don't want to go to a conservative doctor because I want to look the most beautiful possible. So I want to go to an aggressive doctor who will make me the most beautiful. Or well, get your
0: bang for your buck, which is something you shouldn't do with, the, with your face.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And rhinoplasty fees vary all over the map. So it's really, you know, obviously fees are important. You want to check those fees, especially in this day and age. But you don't want to fall for gimmicks like, you know, injectable rhinoplasty. Right, right. If you're putting, just use your common sense, if you're putting something injectable that's temporary in your nose, or worse yet, permanent, that God forbid you get an infection in it, where are you now? So really, really use your common sense. I know. God forbid
0: they inject one of the, the long-lasting ones that give you a lump or
1: something. Exactly, exactly. Or cause, you know, problems in the skin. I mean, you see the nose. That's right in front of your face. So every little irregularity you see shows through.
0: We have about one minute left or 30 seconds left. What What last advice do
1: you have? You know, I think once you check out the credentials of a doctor, just sit down and look at the before and after pictures. Look at a bunch of them and see if this doctor has your aesthetic. See if you like the after results. And that's a really important step in guiding you in picking the right doctor for your rhinoplasty.
0: Dr. Milliken, it's always a pleasure. You are the best of the best, and that's why I love having you on our show. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about all these great surgeries. Ooh, well, and my pleasure. It's packed with good advice. We're going to have to have you back again. You're my favorite. So well,
1: thank you. It's even though pleasure. I have lots of
0: other favorites, I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> make anybody mad. I
1: won't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> thank you.
0: Thank you so much. And all if right. you'd like a transcript of today's show, please go to personallifemedia.com. If you'd like to get in touch with Dr. Brett Mulliken, we're going to link him to our website, and you can get all the information that you need, and you can call him in Beverly Hills. He's a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon. Thanks again for being on our show today.
2: I saw you shopping at the North Star Mall. Hardly recognize you at all It wasn't until I heard you say hello I realized you were a girl I know You look completely different Than you did in 91 A total transformation Come on, admit it You had a little work done Had a little work done, holy cow It don't matter, wow, look at you now How'd you like to get together for some fun Like it since you had a little work done. Remember back in school, we were drunk and with kids, and I pretended that you didn't exist. You were a cute thing, but you couldn't be the trophy girl I wanted hanging with me. You've gone from I'd like to have a taste now Cause you're delicious since you had a little work done Had a little work done, holy smoke I noticed you, a damn near joke I think that we should get together for some fun I think I want you now, you had a little work done Had a little work done All around the town In your red convertible With the top down I heard the beauty Is only skin deep They call me shallow Cause you're looking mighty sweet I never fantasized before But you wouldn't be the one But now you're in my night and daydream You're sure amazing Since you had a little work done Had a little work done Holy cow It don't matter Wow, look at you now How'd you like to get together for some fun? I kind of like you since you had a little work done. Had a little, had a little work done.